0: Right. Welcome to episode 5 of How to Make a Video Game with Digital, which is actually part 2 of A Potted History of Tactical Strategy Games. If you haven't listened to the first part, you can go back and find that and get it on all the different platforms, do whatever else, but... My name is Matt Davis. I am the marketing and community
1: manager here, and I am joined by my partner in crime, Galaxy Walker, um, sound designer and music designer. But full name as well, aka Matthew Walker. Aka Matthew Walker. That's a good way of looking at it from here. So
0: it's like, um, Matthew, we have to do that thing on podcasts where you pretend like we're living well, in the like each other. Yeah, no, no. no. <laughs> There's that as well. I mean, we do that every day. We're so professional on that. But this is the part where we have to pretend because this episode has now come out just after Christmas. That's so right.
1: um, how was Christmas dinner? <laughs> uh, Christmas dinner was excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I, f- I feel like I'm, I'm making some sort of weird prediction. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to upset Wait, people. Okay.
0: Good. Give me your ranking of what you would rate your Christmas dinner to be on a scale of one to ten. And oh. then we'll, we'll see what it really is. How do you
1: mean? What, in terms of what's most important? No, no,
0: no, no. As in like the quality. So like, so oh. I'm asking you what you thought. How was your Christmas meal? Yeah. And you're gonna give me a number and then I'm gonna say, Yeah, cool, okay. Um strong seven and a half. Strong seven and a half. Strong seven and a half. I'm gonna put mine down as a nine.
1: Wow. Yeah. Why? And I'm
0: going back home to Casa Del Davis and my
1: dad happens to be a particularly What's, good chef. Uh- well, this year, my wife and I, we alternate between parents. This oh, right, okay. year, we're going to my parents. So I feel bad now for giving my <laughs> mum <laughs> <laughs> seven seven and and mother and a half. I'm sure your wow. meal is not So we're going to get half. one comment from this podcast. <laughs> the one time my mother listens, she goes, what? Seven, seven and a half? half? <laughs> my dad won't even know how to work out on the podcast thing. Like, or he
0: is going to do it now, and he's just going to give me a little check right, right, for it, yeah, But, yeah, yeah. Like, but uh, no, so you've all probably had your Christmas dinners, and you've enjoying your Christmas break. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to go back into the main part of part two but I wanted to ask a quick question of you because in the last episode we didn't ask the first question you know the difficult one that we did oh the like the uh, so best hero exactly yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I thought this episode we'd ask who is the best villain and then now we'll have the dum 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 dum
2: dum uh
0: but as you know, I'm a big fan of villains. Big, yeah. big fan of villains. I don't know why. I just think villains are cool and stuff. Like my favorite characters in Game of Thrones are the Boltons. <laughs> 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 Genuinely, they're my favorite. I've got a big banner of a house Bolton above my bed. It's oh my gosh. Like, yeah, it's, it's adorable. A friend of mine made it for my, uh, my birthday present. It's super sweet. It's really, it's really cute. <laughs> the little blood bits on his hand and all got little sequins on them. It's so dope. That's oh, beautiful. <laughs> but um, no, no, the question for you then, Matthew, mm-hmm. is who is the best video game villain of all time?
1: It's such a hard. Like, I mean, it's like saying, you know, who's your favorite, favorite child? Series, yeah. You know, I mean, okay. But the reason these questions are good is because it's well known fact now in in this long running series of podcasts. Uh, Final Fantasy Seven is my is my is my game. Uh, I love that game, yeah. and it has a very special place in my heart. So every time these questions come up, I have to step aside from it. Otherwise, <laughs> I, I, I'm just playing it safe each and every time. So Sephiroth would be my guy, okay? Right. But he's a flawed character. He's, yeah. You kind of feel for him. That's the reason that I'm going to give you two, okay. and that he's not my official submission. My is two. He's officially the bad guy in it, isn't he? Well, Juno and like the uh, uh, You've got Genova, Genova and whatnot, and, Sh- and Shinra to, pretty yeah. yeah, and you, you know Shinra is a company of pretty pretty bad. Yeah. but of course he's the main antagonist. Yeah, fine, you know okay, he's yeah. the guy you're following around, and end up um, beating. Uh, well, you might or might not beat the yeah, end of game. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, um, but the, he's given me the theme for flawed enemies, flawed um, antagonists. Okay, so number one, yeah, Alan Wake. Oh, okay. in Alan Wake yeah yeah okay <laughs> okay so Alan Wake was a really good game I really enjoyed that mm-hmm, and I was mm-hmm. gutted uh, or, or have been gutted that I haven't seen a sequel yet if mm-hmm. that ever is going to happen mm-hmm. probably not it's like 10 years old now that yeah or I was going to say a few years I'm um, getting on for that um, but he's the whole game takes place you know is it in his imagination is it in his mind you know he's a guy who's who's dealing with writer's block yeah And again, he's not a superhero. He's not a big dude. He's just a writer who wears tweed jackets with elbow patches, which I have, (laughs) with a hoodie underneath. So I was like, dude, he's the writer version of me. So, and of course, by the end of it, it doesn't end particularly well. It's quite a dark ending. Mm. And all this takes place inside his mind. And I was like... That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. The other one is, and again, this is a bit of a curveball. I'm and my namesake. I forget his first name, but you play as a guy called Walker, right? In Spec Ops: The Line. Oh, right. Okay. Now, Spec Ops: The Line is. Have you played it?
0: No. Well, no, I've seen it played. I can't remember. There was a YouTuber. I Spec was Ops: The Line.
1: Too. I'm a big Gears of War fan. Third person cover shooters are, you know, largely have been my thing for a long time. Um, this game on face value is very much a bit generic, really. Yeah. It's kind of cover, shooter, explosions, it's all a bit, you know, oh, God, you know, it's yeah, yeah. quite kind of, yeah, you know, yeah. you've seen it time and time again. You play through it and you very quickly become aware that this game has very, very uh, much deeper levels than than what it offers on face value. Yeah, right. So, spoiler alert, um, the guy uh, suffers from sh- massive shell shock at the end and there's like four endings right. and you get to choose how that plays out. Okay. So. You know, um he, he he's dealing with shell shock. There's there's one particular uh moment in the game where it's really dark right. where he believes himself up to this point you've been getting you've been you think you've been talking to your uh, I think it's General Conrad, right, okay. you're going in to try and escape and evacuate or, or whatnot. Um and you find out that he's not alive, or that's the big the big curveball at yeah, the yeah. end. Anyway, during these hallucinations and this this kind of mind-bending storyline, um you're you come across a unit where you have the opportunity to use white phosphorus on okay. what you believe to be a bunch of enemies. Okay. Okay. So this is a really dark way right. to open the podcast. No, no. Um, <laughs> it's
0: Christmas, post-Christmas. It's <laughs> post-Christmas and we're
1: talking about <laughs> white phosphorus, okay. Anyway, what happens, what te- then happens, you use it. You have to make the decision, right, do we use this? Mm. And you do. Um, turns out, all those little blips on the on the radar, and excuse me if I'm getting any of these details wrong, it's been a while since yeah, i played yeah. it, they're civilians, right? So the next cutscene, you're walking through this graveyard of just, you know, whoa. singed human beings. Yeah, 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 And you, you made the decision to do that, and it's at that point where you, you look at Walker, and the whole game just opens itself up to be much deeper than yeah. you could ever imagine. There's one particular shot, mm. and if I went back, went back to play it now, it would really hit home. Being yeah. a dad now is that yeah, there's yeah, one particular yeah. shot of a mother holding a baby. Oh man! And they've a... just been obliterated, and That's you think, whoa. Th- Gears of War didn't even go there yeah. really uh, and you think crikey so anyway he's suffering from shell, shell shock and that moment yeah, yeah, yeah. plays a big part in him going absolutely insane towards the end right yeah, 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 um, yeah. and you know it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing that exists in real life and, and what not post-traumatic stress and yeah, all yeah, yeah. that and um, yeah so sorry that was quite no, long winded no, no it's fine because I feel really that bad now picking Dr Robotnik <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's... I wish I could have gone down the deeper, darker narrative, but I, I kind of went with, I thought Dr. Robotnik was hilarious because he's an idiot. Like, again, I have this n- normal thing about, like, characters that I quite like that are, aren't are crap. Like, his plan is so stupid. Like, yeah, what is yeah. up with that? Like, he's like, A, he's a fat dude. Well, he goes crazy because of the Chaos Emeralds. I mean, that's a story I've only learned about recently. Right, But his basic plan is to enslave things and turn them into machines yeah. that, if you stand on... Get released, <laughs> like that's <laughs> basically the story of Sonic.
1: I'm like, he needs to really rethink his strategy. I, I admire and, him though for his for his reserve to keep going back for more and more and, and more again, more after again game, and after again. Game. And Never even learns.
0: even his like even when he's like, right, okay, I'm gonna get this Sonic cr- creature, like. I've got a really good plan. I'm going to use all my technical know-how. I'm going to use all my my like mind-bending physics power to make <laughs> a, a, a ship that has a ball swinging underneath it. I'm not going to like just put myself in a big bubble and gas the world. I mean, I kind of <laughs> sound like a supervillain here because that was kind of my thinking to go down that process immediately. But yeah, he's got like
1: a big swinging ball in the first level and you just jump over it and you're like, okay. He strikes me as someone um, who could, bring a lot of good to the world. I think If, if he was... was to take all his knowledge and his skill set and apply that to something that doesn't involve in, entrapment and whatnot. <laughs> exactly. He's and to, he'd do a
0: lot of good. Exactly. The only thing he managed to get right, kind of, was the Metal Sonic at the end. Yeah. and yeah, uh, That's it. Yeah. And it, uh, But then there's still a flaw in his plan. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's still like a... And that's where I think I like my... Siblings. I think this is why I love villains, because villains invariably have to have something go wrong. Mm. And they've usually got a hubris or a story or a... Something that makes them really like, oh, I'm really anti this, but per- you know, I'm I've, I've got this flaw of like, I love diamonds, so if someone throws me a diamond, or you remember that bit in like, uh, one of the old Batmans where, um, he Two Face he, Batman goes like, you know, uh, you gotta flip a coin, and he's like, oh yeah, I do flip a coin, and he flips his coin, and then Batman throws loads of coins at him, and he's like, oh, oh no, oh, yeah, in the film. oh yeah. gosh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's like, oh no, what's happening here? That to me is like, <laughs> those are the sort of villains I love when you're like, you're an idiot. Like what you yeah, do Just yeah. like it would have been so much more. Uh, and this isn't a movie podcast, but like it's like the actually no no. Do you know what? I won't go into the bit about Zombie Land. We'll cut that <laughs> bit from there. But it's okay. Okay. <laughs> it's like, um, but yeah, good good choices. Excellent choices from both of us. So. Uh, so, uh, for post-Christmas, we're going to now give you the second part of the potted history of Tactical Strategy Games. Um, again, if there is, you'll hear a little bit about Act and Cthulhu Tactics, which is in this version, which is currently available on Steam on sale. It's true. Well, hey, so get yourself down if you haven't got it already. And uh, we, we put loads of other show notes and other bits in there. Um, yeah. So, one of the things I should probably mention as well is we talk a lot about the show notes. So, if you don't know how to get into those, one of the easiest ways of doing it is when you click on the episode, if you download it on your podcast app just click on the episode itself all the links will be in there if you go on our website and listen to it just click on to the episode and it'll take you through to Podbean, and there'll be a full list of all the the show notes in there but without further ado let's get on with part two let's do it right welcome back everybody so we're going to go back now into we've done we we've talked about the the basics we've We've Tom stopped crying now about his review that he got before, <laughs> but we're now moving on to the next part. What comes afterwards? What's gonna what What happens after XCOM? So we've had we've we've had this amazing, gra- like this this wonderful game. It's had the critical success, yeah. it's had everything else. Ninety six percent, ninety three percent. You know, high rankings. How do you top that? Well, where do, where does the where does the game, where does, where, this genre yeah, where does to the genre go?
2: Where does the subgenre go from there? Um yeah, so so taking us back, it's nineteen ninety four and, and I would say if you've not listened to the previous part of this podcast, I'd highly recommend it. Otherwise some of this won't make any sense. So please do stop if you've not, skip back, listen to that, then come back here. Um so yeah, with nineteen ninety-four, XCOM has done really well for its publisher microprose. Julian Gollop's created a fantastic uh, genre defining game uh, that will really set the core elements for this sort of um, turn-based tactical game moving forward. Um, so Microprose, they do a whole bunch of them. I, I think I, I, I sort of alluded to before they did, for example, uh, Terror from the Deep, which was the sequel, um, which came out, I think, a year later. They did a XCOM Apocalypse. They, they did a whole bunch of them. And then other people started looking at that stuff and saying. So there was a there was a period then in that that mid to late 90s where a whole slew of these turn-based games came yeah. out. Yeah. Um, and then, really, the genre dies off a lot. Um, mm. It it as we get towards the end of the year. So uh, when I first started my career in games, I worked on a game called uh, Abomination. And Abomination was an attempt to do a, a real time equivalent of an XCOM. Um, so the idea was let's let's take a turn based strat- the the XCOM elements and let's make it in real time strategy because around then, mm. real time strategy games were the really big thing. Yeah. But again, the strategy game genre itself, the bigger genre, moved on. You had games like Homeworld came out. Uh, and as the genre moved on, uh, you know, the, the, the power of machines went on. You could do much more interesting stuff real time. The 3D was starting to appear. We're getting into, you know, PlayStation and things like that. And, and I think in a way, the the genre, this sub-genre, not not a lot of interesting stuff happened mm. um, for quite a while. And and how do I know this? I wouldn't say there was nothing. There was a few bits and bobs here and there, yeah. but nothing really of note. Uh, and I know this because I pitched a lot of <laughs> turn-based tactical games. Right. So uh, I w- was part of a previous company that that we ran. I pitched a bunch of them. We were doing stuff for Sony at the time. We ended up doing a a, a, term, uh, a real-time strategy game, tower defense game called Savage Moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we did some DLC and we did a, a kind of uh, a PlayStation portable version of that. Really proud of that. Very loved the game. But I always wanted to do a turn-based tactics game. Yeah. I've been wanting to do it for years. Like this was the thing I wanted to do. And I would be pitching to Sony and other publishers. I had a whole bunch of really interesting ideas. And, and like none of it was getting traction and it was really disappointing. Um, so in the end, my only way I could do it was basically to do it myself. So uh, with a couple of other friends, we formed a little studio called Red Wasp Design and we set about making a turn-based tactical game, which would be uh, Call of Kalu, The Wasted Land. And around that time, we were doing that as well. XCOM gets revived um, no. So in 2012 we see XCOM Enemy Unknown and this is the really important game again. XCOM again, it resets the standard. There's a fantastic GDC talk and and I'll find the link. We'll dig it out and put it in the show notes. Yeah, I was going to say
0: we'll do we'll drop it all in the show notes for you. The
2: yeah, there's a really good GDC talk where uh, I think it's one of the creative directors of that game talks about how when they decided to kind of redo it, they made this video. They they sat with a bunch of artists and they artists and they worked away and they made a video to show this is what the game would look like, and and he said and and even into XCOM two that video has held true that that vision of what the game would be has has kept them going in in all through that and and it's it's so well done I mean mm. the core elements are basically XCOM yeah. squad based tactics uh you know it's the unit based combat the tech tree the base building. The, the kind of meta game, the meta narrative of the, the UFO stuff, all that stuff's there. But it, it's 3D now. It's really nicely done. The UI is fantastic. The control of the characters is really mm. well. The mm. camera stuff works really well. That that taking of the, the 3D element into the tactical combat, because the line of sight is so important, yep. cover's so important, yep. you know, all, all that stuff really matters. What they don't have is facing, which the earlier XCOMs did have. Yep. Um, it... it, it it's just so nicely done and, and it's a fantastic game. It worked well on console. So it meant it was just, it was just a massive smash. And again, if you look at the sales numbers of these games going back into our thing of commercial and critical success, uh, Enemy Unknown, it, it, it knocks it out of the park again as the original XCOM did. You know, fantastic game. Uh, my personal favorite version of it, if if people, I think the Vita version is really nicely done. Vita, wow. Yeah, there's a Vita <laughs> version uh, cool. which does the Enemy Within, which is the expansion stuff. Yeah. It has the meld. It has the exalt, which is the kind of the the traitor humans working with the aliens. The surprise base defense mission, which is fantastic, really really dramatic. You you've got the the new character class of uh, mech troopers. Uh, I'm getting slightly nerdy details. So <laughs> pull back a little, but re- really nicely done. Yep. Meanwhile, running in parallel. So like I say, we we you know I I finally got to do the game I wanted to do with it with you know, um so Wasted Land. It doesn't have the base building stuff that XCOM did. It isn't, it isn't an XCOM clone, you know, far yeah, from it. Yeah. But it's squad based. The tactics of the squads really matter. We also used action points, which again, by the time you get to XCOM, the, the action point system has been hidden under a, uh, a kind of UI layer. So characters yeah. can, they, can, they can do one movement and one shot with a gun, which is kind of like two action points yeah, yeah. worth of stuff. Or they can shoot a sniper rifle, which is all their action for that turn mm. unless they're advanced units. That's like an action. That's two action points. Um, Wasted Land, we had, we still kept the action point numbers because it gave us more flexibility. We added the idea of madness because it was set in a Lovecraftian world, yeah. so you had to manage not just the health but the the sanity of your characters. Uh, we had much more of a we we didn't have generative missions that they had in XCOM, uh, so it was a, it was a kind of linear narrative yeah. that you move through missions. Um, and again, you might say, well, why didn't you do all those other things? Well. Resources. There were three of us (laughs) making (laughs) three of us took a year to make wasted land. As well as
0: that. I was gonna say there's um I don't know if you use an example, a very strange example, but Napalm Death famous uh, death metal band. Which is exactly so, what yeah. I was thinking on your shit. yes. They did an album a little while ago which was called Leaders Not Followers and it was all around bands that had influenced them to make the music that they had and they referred to it as saying, these aren't people, we aren't following them, we aren't doing exactly what they did but they've inspired us to make the same sort of music and go a different direction and do something different with it. So with Wasted Lands, is it almost like you have that similar sort of policy that you're kind of going, XCOM has really inspired me to get into this genre and understand more about it yeah. and now, now I want to make my my mark on it. So they are their leaders, but I'm not following them.
2: Yeah, and I think that's why it's, it's interesting to do the potted history and to kind of mention a whole bunch of these games because you can draw a line between the elements from, you know, Snapshot to Rebel Star to Laser Squad to XCOM to Wasted Land of the different features, some of which remain, some of which are new. You know, I think Wasted Land, we did some of our own stuff, but yeah, it's not, it isn't. And I think what's, it's a turn-based tactics games, definitely, but it isn't an XCOM, uh, and, and, I, and I think part of that is we didn't have the resources. So I'd say three people working for a year made Wasted Land, whereas you know you listen to that GDC talk. I think they had a team of like five artists just building that for for like months, maybe even much of the year, just mm-hmm. building that conceptual vision of what the game would be. Yeah, you know, so it, they're very different resource levels, but they are games in the same genre. I think if you subgenre, if you enjoyed XCOM, I think you'll enjoy Wasted Land, yeah. and vice versa.
0: So let's bring it forward now to so we're in 2012. Wasteland's come out. It's, it it had a bit of critical success. It won an award. It did it, oh, it, it won, did a, it won it a couple it, of awards. Yeah, yeah. It
2: won yeah it won a few awards and you know did did really well and you know made us money. Uh, it wasn't a massive commercial smash, yeah. but it, it was a profitable game. Um and you know and I still get you know occasional messages off people about that game today. And that's that's really lovely to to do something creative and commercial and you'd be really happy with it. And I think what's interesting as well, and I spoke to one of the people that I pitched turn-based tactical game and stuff to, you know, and said, see, you should have let us do this back in, <laughs> should have let us do this back in like 2010 when I was pitching you. Because XCOM's X- numbers just were, were nuts. Like it, and but it had revived the, genre, the sub-genre. Suddenly now it was a viable thing to do. And then you get a whole bunch of other games coming along. Uh, and again, the exact chronology of that, I, w- I won't confess to but I, I would mention a couple like Hard West, where they took the idea and they set it more in a Western setting. It's a great game uh xenonauts we should definitely mention yeah. so i think xenonauts actually came out just before um just before the kind of relaunched the, the kind of rebooted xcom not totally sure but again one of our designers here aaron Worked on Xenonauts, great game. Uh, loads Keep of great around features. the podcast as well. well. Hopefully have him in on some yeah, point talking about design talk stuff in the future. Uh, you know, by the time they get to XCOM 2, they really expanded the narrative in an interesting way. I was very, imp- uh, a slight spoiler, if you've not played it and want to, you know, no, skip forward uh, like a few seconds now. <laughs> um, but I love the way in XCOM 2, they took the idea that rather than just doing the same thing again, like, oh, we're just fighting the aliens again. You've just got a bigger base and more stuff. This idea of how, you know, the aliens had won. You mm. know, you're now mm. that you're now the rebels. You're now yeah. underground. You're, your yeah. backs against the wall, mm. and and it's a much harder game. Yeah. Uh, I think we yeah. can agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but it's nice how they did all that. You know, they they kind of they, again they advanced it in their own way. It's a really nicely crafted piece of work. Very impressive. Uh, and then because kind of, you know that brings us to you know our our own Azorox's entry into the the turn based tactics genre. Which is, of course... Acton Cthulhu Tactics, which yes. is
0: obviously the game that we've had. Uh, and we've had a lot of fun. I've had quite a lot of fun playing it. But obviously, there's been quite a lot of stuff that's gone in and around making the game. And so, like, we've drawn ourselves quite nicely to this point now where this is out. This is our kind of, like, our em, em,
2: you know, yeah, final stand Yeah, and, and I, believe, I believe if you're listening to this around when it comes out, the game will be on sale on Steam. Yeah. Uh, and we'll stick a link up to it and you can go and grab it and, mm-hmm. and find out if you think what we're talking about sounds cool, sounds of interest. Um, But I I think what's interesting about it is having gone through this genre and your your napalm death (laughs) (laughs) submission, uh, your napalm death point, which is really key is I think when we were working on it, we we thought a lot about XCOM. You know, we were inspired by XCOM in some areas and, and sometimes you can see it and other times you can't. But it, it isn't actually an XCOM game. It's, it's, it's quite quite different to XCOM. Yeah, and I think, yeah. in hindsight, that's one of the things we should have pushed more. It was its own thing. Yeah, It yeah. was a turn-based tactics game. It wasn't an XCOM game. Yeah, yeah. In part, again, we don't have anything like the resources they had yeah. for XCOM yeah. 2 or XCOM. You know, a fraction of the resources yeah. go into it. So, you know, we don't have base building in, in Acton Cthulhu tactics. Why not? In part, that wasn't... The core thing in our vision, and in part, we we wouldn't have had the resources to do it even if we wanted it. Yeah. Um, in in a way, I think Acton Cathelu tactics is much more of a, of a draws much more inspiration from the earlier part of the turn based tactics genre. Yeah. Where the individual units that the the kind of the the f- things like the facing and the flanking and how they work, um, the 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 kind of the tactics play out much more yep. in how it operates. Each individual unit's much more important. Yeah. Uh, and again, if you play snapshot, the individual units matter much more. Yeah. You lose a unit, it's really key. Yep. Uh, so it's got that, it, it, it's much more about the units. We've obviously got a storyline from the actual. I was going to say, yeah, because
0: that, that's another bonus that really gives it a bit of, yeah. bit of weight to it, is that Acton Cthulhu universe is quite an exciting universe anyway, but that we've taken four of quite the coolest characters, Yeah, I would and, say, and it. No, and no, no they, them yeah, into course, this cool. No, I really
2: like the story, um, so we've got a story uh, within there. And again, so in a way, it's, it's, you can if you play Acton Cthulhu tactics, you'll see elements of Wasted Land in that they're not just, you know, the missions are... Uh, not generative. We've kind of set it in a location, and you you replay in the same uh, areas. Sometimes so you get used to them. You can start to use that landscape tactically. Um, it it has, you know, the the kind of the the way that the units are pretty key to the story and how you have to keep them alive. That's pretty key in there. Um, again, doesn't have the base thing because it keeps the focus on the story and the conflict and the combat. Um, so yeah, I think in a way. Acton Cthulhu Tactics is much more a melding between Call of Cthulhu: The Wasted Land, which in turn draws from the earlier tradition of turn-based tactics games, um, because, it, like I say, we were developing it before. You know, before I really fully understood what was going on. Yeah. In fact, I should have checked when I can't remember. They're both 2012, but I think right. I didn't play uh, Enemy Unknown until after Wasted Land had come out. Right. Okay. It might have come out before, but I d- I'm pretty sure I didn't play it till later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so yeah it it's action through tactics like I think the things I'm really proud of what we got in there was um like I say the the facing of the units is really important you can flank units uh if you come up behind them they're much more vulnerable to you and that was part of our system called the shroud whereby your units carry wards that 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 ward away the darkness the kind of shroud and so where they face is is super critical we added our momentum system so this kind of group pool of momentum that can apply to each one of your individual characters. We worked much more into the action point system. And again, that's super crucial for the tactical part of it. Like the, the, the efficient use of your action points and your momentum points gives you loads of tactical options. And that's one of the things I'm most proud of what we did in that game is just how tactical you can be. You can be super tactical. You can just play it on a bit more of a kind of casual level and just shoot Nazis and that's fun. But you want to get into that tactical (laughs) stuff. Always a bonus. You want to get into that tactical stuff then you really can, and and that's one of the things that I was super proud of. So yeah, I would I would urge listeners, uh, you know, uh, go to the Steam store, mm-hmm. grab a copy, have a play. Let us know what you think. You know, yep. if you really like it, drop a review on it. If you got some feedback? Feel free to email us with us. Always interesting to hear. Mm-hmm. And I think if you play it now, having listened to this podcast, that might give you a sense of where our thinking was with it, and and where where it all might go. Yeah, you know where it all went and and why. We created the game we did. What what were the various things swirling around that allowed us to make that? Most definitely. Um that is a very potted history and within
0: two parts. We've done quite well there. I think within about half an hour's worth of time it's, we've managed it's good. to go I, through. I, I can about...
1: just about see Tom's face returning to its normal colour. <laughs>
2: I, I was actually I had my eyes He's going a bit blue. points reading this. I realized it's like is that my brain's just working really slowly <laughs> trying to dredge stuff up from, remember, we, yeah, we are talking about a long
0: time ago. Uh, yeah. Well, we will say that um as as uh, Tom did point out, it is available now on Steam in the sale. Uh you can also get it on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One and it will be out in the new year on Nintendo Switch. So look forward to that
2: if you Yeah. You're, uh, and and on this genre, I I should also I'd like to give a, an honorable mention as well. There's a board game company called Underground Games. They recently kickstarted uh a, another classic one which we didn't have time to talk about, a game called Jagged Alliance. Which is a turn-based tactics game, about mercenaries, contemporary set, really good game, whole series of them, but they they kickstarted a board game version of that, which I have to say looks fantastic. so uh yeah, if, if you're interested in this subgenre, and again, as we flipped, if you, if you, if you thought Snapshot sounded interested to you, you can't buy Snapshot now, I don't believe, unless you get it second hand. Um, but what I would do is wait for uh, Jagged Alliance, the board game cool super um right well that's a that's a good way of
0: ending ending this episode here for us so uh tom thank you very much for joining us again well, really appreciate it me on, Matt. Uh, i think we <laughs> will we'll we'll, uh, we'll be seeing you again very soon for our uh, our new years uh podcast uh so we'll talk to you then no doubt um and uh, just to say a big merry christmas to everybody here in this year i hope christmas. you have all had a lovely time and uh, merry christmas to everyone who's been listening so big thank mm-hmm. you and see you next time bye bye, bye.